And welcome to the midweek Bible study. And we're in the epistle of Peter. Trust you've got your Bible out there and maybe your pen, at least your mind, to go through the Word of God again. And as we've said to Peter, encouraging these believing Christians that have been scattered around. And he does that in the first chapter before he talks about the sufferings that they're going through. And uh, he's encouraging them in their salvation. And we've been looking at the salvation we have right through this first chapter. The last few points was the surrender of ourselves to God in salvation. If we are saved, we'll be surrendered. If we're truly born again, there will be a difference. Verse 17, judge, the Lord judges every man according to his works. So there's the next point in verse 18 to 21 that we looked at last week, the supreme cost of our salvation. It was brought at a great price, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. And Lord willing, we'll get to the point and concluding on a thought of that at the end of the study today. This, this evening, we are looking at the streams or the source of our salvation how does it come to us how did it come to us how does it come to us if we're unsaved and that's what we're looking at this evening let us pray and thank you dear lord for all your provisions and most of all for the provision of salvation if we could not be born again we could not be saved we'd be doomed forever but in your love and in your plan you purposed to send your son to be the saviour of the world. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to pay the ultimate price, his own life as a gift for our souls. I pray that we would appreciate that always. And Lord, over that and above that as well, we have eternal life promised to those that believe. What a wonderful blessing to be in your presence for eternity bless the word as it's shed and open tonight in jesus name amen yes the streams or source of our salvation if it wasn't for the holy spirit we wouldn't come to know christ to be saved as we read in verse 22 seeing that ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit yes if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit of the Lord, then we would be doomed. We would be lost. We could not be saved. And it's through his ministry to us. And the Lord Jesus, before the Spirit came and before actually the Lord had died and given the way of salvation, opened the way of salvation for us, he mentioned in the, in the scriptures several times about the Spirit coming. And this one is important in chapter 16 of the Gospel of John. I mean, they're all important, but verse 7 and 8, Nevertheless, I tell you a truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. I know we've shared these verses recently. It doesn't harm to go over them again. 
of sin because they believe not on me. The greatest sin there is disbelief. Not believing by faith on the Lord. Of righteousness, this is another thing the Spirit does as he was sent from the Father by the Lord of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye may see me no more. And ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged of sin, righteousness and judgment. Here we know that the Holy Spirit convicts. He convicts us that we might be converted, that we might repent, that we might believe by faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 6, I know some have a different view, but this is what I view these scriptures to mean. In verse 4, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe these people were saved. Because it reads on and say, if they fall away, and that means to apostatize. So they've heard the word. They know, they understand intellectually the word. They've even been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. And some people say, well, see, these are not Christians. <laughs> I mean, how can... Oh, these must be Christians, sorry, some say, because they've been partakers of the Holy Spirit. But how can an unsaved person be saved unless the Spirit convicts them, according to John 16, of their sin and of their need to believe? And so there, it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, the, the gift of salvation, and were partake, made partakers through the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and tasted the good word of God, they know of what's to come and what about salvation. If they fall away from that point, if they apostatize from that point, and apostatize means they're not saved, they fall away to renew them, again to repentance, seeing they crucify. And so the Spirit of God is essential in our salvation. As we've looked at there, verse 22, seeing that you purified your souls in obeying the truth that was convic you were convicted of by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit convicts. He strives with men who are unsaved. It tells us in the book of Genesis, in chapter 6 and verse 3, and this is before the flood of Noah, that my spirit shall not always strive with men. You see, the violence... And the wickedness got increasingly worse. And for 120 years, Noah preached as he built the ark about God's judgment coming. And the Spirit was striving with them men before the, the flood, trying to convince them that they need to believe by faith and get into the ark of safety. But they just went downhill, downhill, downhill. They went away from the conviction. They, they didn't respond to the Spirit striving with them. Doesn't that sound like today? Wickedness is increasing. I was just talking to a, a chap yesterday. And he said, what's wrong with the world? Unsaved, doesn't know the Scriptures, doesn't know the Bible. But what, what's wrong? How, how come there's so much violence around? And I was, had the opportunity to share with him. But the Lord's striving with people today to convict them of their need of salvation, but they're not 
responding. They fall away, they apostatize, they go away from that conviction that he sets upon their heart. So without the Spirit, we wouldn't be convicted. Without the Spirit, it wouldn't be a striving with our hearts to turn us to the Lord and to believe by faith. He renews and regenerates just over in the a book of Titus that reads, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so he renews and he regenerates there. Uh, without the Spirit we wouldn't be saved. And this is what Peter is saying. So he's talked about the blood of Christ. He's, he's talking here about the Spirit of God that comes to us and strives and convicts and renews and regenerates us. And once this happens, he seals us into the body of Christ if we believe, if we believe. It's not a compulsion, but a much of a conviction. It's not a conscription, it's a voluntary act. And it tells us in Ephesians 1.13 and 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And so he seals us once we believe. In 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, here it talks about him searching, searching the deep things of God. In verse 9, or verse 10, But God revealeth them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And it's talking about Christians here. And so he, he brings us and draws us to salvation through the conviction and strives with our hearts. He seals us and then he searches the deep things of God and gives us as believers understanding. Ah, we can be very thankful for the ministry of the Spirit whom the Lord sent when he went back to heaven. Him I will send unto you. And he sanctifies us. Well, back, sorry, back in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 2, it reads, For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So the spirit of God knows the things of God, and he can help and encourage us to know the things of God and reveal them unto us as we search the scriptures. So he searches and reveals to us these wonderful things. But also he sanctifies us. He sets us apart. He ministers to us throughout our Christian life. He wants to produce in us his fruits, the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit. So the stream of our salvation. First of all, the Spirit of God convicts, strives, renews, seals, searches, sanctifies us. Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit. And when, our, when the going gets tough for the Christian and troubles come, Romans 8, verse 26, The Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but He knows the, the yearnings of our heart. He, he takes those things that we can't express, and He can put them into uh, words that He takes to the Father through the Lord Jesus that we might have our request. So as it were, he supplicates. 
He makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. That's in Romans 8, 26 and 27. He sustains us in John 14, 26. But the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, he will teach you all things, and he will bring to them and us the remembrance of the things that have been spoken. And praise God for that. So we have the Spirit. We are saved through the ministry of the Spirit of God to us. Purified your souls in obeying the truth. Obeying the truth. What truth? Well, the truth of the gospel. There are those people that don't obey the truth of the gospel when they hear the Spirit working and knocking at their door, their heart's door. And this is what happens to those that don't obey the gospel. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. If you're listening tonight and you have not obeyed the truth of the gospel, I urge you before it's too late, as the Spirit strives with you to obey the gospel. Because it says in 2 Thessalonians 1.8, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. It's the height of arrogance for a human being that's born into this world as a mere mortal to reject the offer of God from on high and the striving of the Spirit with our hearts and disobey the gospel. That obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. It's a very serious matter to disobey the truth that's been presented and your heart has been challenged with from the Spirit. Back in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17 that we'll get to probably in months, <laughs> months time or maybe years, for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. If it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? That obey not the gospel. You see, it gives us this warning through the, throughout the scripture, not only there in Second Thessalonians and First Peter, but also in the book of Romans. The book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 16 and in this, this chapter, a portion of scripture, you have where it talks in verses 9 and 10. Well, it talks about talking of the Jewish people. And verse 1, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And he goes through, they were trying to do it by their own righteousness, works righteousness. But the method of salvation is given in verse 9, that if thou should confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So here the gospel is clearly presented. The Jews are used an example of not believing the gospel and trying to work their way to heaven like so many religious people today. But then he goes on in verse 16 with other things between and says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Even back then, and, and I think it's very clearly presented in Isaiah 55, the first few verses of that chapter, that they need to believe by faith. And so they disobeyed the gospel too. 
And here it's talking about the Jewish people. And Isaiah said about them, Who hath believed our report? They have not obeyed the gospel. Verse 17, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You hear it, you believe it. The Spirit convicts you, you get saved, you trust. Verse 21 of Romans 10, But to Israel he saith, All day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Disobedient. They didn't obey the call to their hearts. So that's the result of not obeying the gospel. Seeing that you have purified yourselves in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. We'll be leaving that part for next week. But moving on, the other stream or source of our salvation, the Spirit of God. Very important. Very important in salvation. Unless you're convicted by the Spirit, you're not going to be saved. Unless you hear the Word of God, you can't be saved. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word. And now we see the Scriptures. The other source, a stream of salvation, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. The seed, the seed of the word of God. You know, if you've ever planted a vegetable patch, and the, the seeds are important. For the farmers, the seeds are important. I know that before each year they, they go out to sow the seed, they... They clean the seed. They get someone to come in if they haven't got the means themselves to clean the seed. (laughs) The incorruptible seed. They don't want weeds in the seeds or seeds of weeds in the seeds (laughs) amongst the seeds. And so it is the truth of the word of God, the seed of the word of God. (laughs) It's the incorruptible seed. It's certified seed. (laughs) I remember way back when we used to plant the potatoes. We used to buy from a certain source people that had certified seed. It was the, as it were, incorruptible seed so that you get the right source of seeds and get the right fruit that comes from it. The spuds, we call them. wondered where that word come from, spuds. Society. For the protection of unwholesome diet. I think that was called that in England first, where they called them spuds. They didn't want that unwholesome diet when it come to them. But look at it today. What would we do without a potato, a roast potato on the in the roast or the chips that we have and the mashed potatoes with all the butter and stuff mixed in? Hope you've had tea already. But... Um, the incorruptible seed, the good, that which brings forth something that's edible, something that we can use to sustain us. It will never be corrupted. This is what amazes me about people and how lightly they treat the scriptures. It's the incorruptible seed, but they endeavor to corrupt it. They change it around by inserting their own thoughts and ideas into the word of God. Terrible thing to do. Dangerous thing to do. It's the inerrant seed. It is without error. Unsafe people try to find error in the scripture. Over and over they'll hunt and search. They'll say, look, we've found a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. Only contradiction is in our own minds and hearts. 
because they haven't searched and don't know the scriptures enough to be able to say it is a contradiction. It's inerrant. Then we must believe that. If it's got error in it, then how can we trust or believe it? It's incorruptible. It's inerrant. It's incisive. (laughs) It's very, very incisive. As it says in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is incisive. And that word incisive means it's penetrating, it's, it's cutting, it's sharp, it's clear, it's biting, it's direct. So it is. The word of God, as according to Hebrews 4.12. And it, with, without the word, you can't be one. And Peter is reminding them of the word of God. <laughs> Go back to the book. Back to the book. Thus saith the Lord. It's not only incorruptible, inerrant, incisive, but it's also infinite. Infinite. According to Peter, where we are here in verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. If you don't enjoy the word now, you won't be in heaven enjoying the word there because you're not saved. Do you love the word of God enough to look into it, to read it daily, to think about it, to meditate upon it, to guide your, have your life guided by it? Do you love the word of God enough? It's a very, very precious thing. And we don't appreciate it. We've got it on our phones. We've got it on our computers. We've got it in our laps. I pray that we've got it in our heart as well, that we appreciate the word of God a lot of People all over the world haven't got copies and haven't for for millennia, as it were, had the scriptures. Can you think of being an unsaved person, a Gentile, in the when the Jews were a nation? The Jews had the word, but they didn't take the word out to the people that God intended them to, and they even corrupted the word themselves. That sounds like the church, doesn't it? It's infinite. It's imperishable. Back in First Peter chapter 1, verse 25, the word of the Lord endureth, what? What does it say? Forever, forever. It's infinite, imperishable, immutable. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. And for those who rewrite the scriptures and try to bring perversions of scriptures to the scriptures by making a new translation of the scriptures that is perverted and is trying to twist and rest the scriptures to their own destruction, Yes, it's immutable, unchangeable. The old song we sing, hymn number 178. The Bible stands, the Bible stands. It's incessant. It's indestructible. The old book, listen to some of the scriptures. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. This is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. You see, without these two, the spirit and the scriptures there is no salvation it says in matthew five eighteen, for i say unto you till heaven and earth pass away one jot and one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled isaiah 48 uh, 40 verse 8 the grass withereth the flower fadeth but the word of the lord standeth forever Psalm 119, verse 89 for, forever o lord is thy word settled in heaven 
Time is quickly going. But I pray that you appreciate the word of the Lord. And through the word of the Lord, through the spirit using the word of the Lord, we come to understand the importance of the blood of Christ has just been talked of last week in this portion of scripture, all tied together in the context. And we can be born again, being born again. Verse 23, by the word of God. Remember, we're born again first comes up. <laughs> yep. Back there, when the Lord Jesus was talking to who? Nicodemus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Wonderful, wonderful chapter. <laughs> and the Lord said to Nicodemus, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We're born again by the word of God, by the spirit of God. And this is very important. What's the only way we can enter into the spiritual family of God? Through being born again, by spiritual birth, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In this, this chapter, just as there are two parents to physical birth, so there are two parents, we might say, in spiritual birth that we've looked at this evening. The Spirit of God... And that's in verses 5 to 6 of John 3. And the word of God, 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again by the word of God. The new birth gives us a new nature and it gives us new hope as well. A new nature, it's mentioned back over there in Second Peter chapter 2, sorry, chapter 1 and verse 4 by which are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature given to us upon a new birth. We've got then two natures, the old and the new nature. And so we've been born again. Have you been born again? Ye must be born again. Have you been convicted by the Spirit? Or is this just a head thing? Just a no thing? A knowledge thing we need to take it from being what we know to what we believe by faith now first birth was a birth in the flesh and the flesh is corruptible and you could go to corinthians first corinthians 15 there verses 44 to 50 it talks in contrast the heavenly and the earthly the earthly body the corruptible body the fleshly body that's what happens with physical birth, born of the flesh, destined to die. And this explains why mankind cannot hold civilization together as we look at it crumbling even today. It's all based on human flesh. It's destined to fall apart. Like the flowers that come up in the spring, they soon wither. For all flesh is like grass, verse 24. And all the glory of man like the flower of grass, the grass withereth. And his flower falleth away. And it says that in other portions of scripture. And so it all fades. So does the flesh. We grow from a little baby and we, we've got energy. We've got enthusiasm. We can run and we can skip and we can jump. And then we get old and we can't skip and we can't run and we can't jump. Can't hop, can hardly walk. We shuffle along. It groweth or it decayeth and die. 
all the way from the Tower of Babel to Genesis in Genesis 11 to the Babylon the Great in Revelation 17 and 18. Man's attempts at unity are all destined to fail. Superpower, one world government, destined to fail. Tells us in the book. It's not spiritual, it's physical, political, religious, social, charitable system, social gospel, all fail. If we try to build unity in the church on the basis of the first birth, which most mainline churches are trying to do, they're trying to do it in the flesh, it'll fail. But if we build unity on the basis of the new birth in Christ, it will succeed. Each believer has the same Holy Spirit dwelling within him, Romans 8, 9. Without, if you haven't the Spirit, we're none of his. We call upon the same Father in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17. We call upon the name of the Father. We share his divine nature that we just looked at in Second Peter. We call upon the same Father. We share his divine nature. We trust in the same word. And the word will never decay nor disappear. We've trusted in the same gospel. We've been born of the same spirit. The externals of the flesh that could divide us mean nothing when compared with the eternals of the spirit of god so the externals flesh what about you are you just living your life in the flesh to be destroyed or are you living the eternals the eternal word of god the eternal spirit of god has been has saved you has come and entered into your life and you have new life i trust that you have let this be a challenge for you let not the blood of the lord be shed in vain let the Spirit of God convict you. No, I can't convict you. I can't twist your arm up. I can't make you get saved. But you need to believe to be saved. You must be born again by the Word of God, by the hearing of the Word. Faith cometh by hearing. Believe it. Obey the Gospel. Don't let the wrath of God fall on you after you die for eternity. Be judged for your rebellion and rejection of the truth of the gospel trust him today be born again young people there comes a day yes you've been born in the flesh you've got physical life you've got fleshly life but have you been born of the spirit are you born again have you got spiritual eternal life having heard the word and convicted of the spirit i trust you'll come to him next week we'll finish off some other thoughts that have contained wonderful portion of scripture the trouble is, the longer I study, the more comes out. And I'd like to move ahead, but let's not leave some treasures behind. There's more riches in the mind of God's Word. Thank you for listening tonight. Let's close in prayer at this time. Lord, thank you for the Word. Thank you for the Spirit. Thank you for new birth. Thank you for physical birth, that we were born once. And if we weren't born once, we could never be born again. But we have the wonderful privilege in this fleshly mortal body to understand the truth of the word and be saved and born again that we might spend eternity with you. Wonderful and blessed is the thought. Pray for those that aren't saved that they might turn to you by faith. May it not just be a head knowledge but a heart changing knowledge that one has of this, these thoughts. Bless us as we go our way. And Lord, I pray that you bring us together 
in fellowship and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as we see the Lord's coming approaching and that we may be able to do this and uh, even Lord willing next week. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.